You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello, I'm Michael Harriet. You're probably wondering what I'm doing here today, but Panama has stuff to do sometimes, you know? And so I'm filling in, I'm kind of like that substitute teacher that comes in and lets the class watch a film all day, which brings me to this point, right? So the Griot was recently in Birmingham, Alabama for the National Association of Black Journalists Convention. And it just happens to be at the same time that, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was this big brawl in Montgomery, Alabama, which is just down the road from Birmingham. Or maybe you heard about it, the, the Montgomery melee, the Alabama slammer, the, I think it should be a national holiday, maybe Christmas or Thanksgiving. Well, anyway, it just so happened that while we were in Alabama, we had a conversation with me, Panama Jackson, and a special guest, Mr. Roy Wood Jr. You probably knew him from the White House Correspondents Dinner or the Daily Show. Well, I'm sure you guys know that Panama went to high school at right outside of Huntsville, Alabama. And I have spent half of my adult life in Alabama. I went to college in Auburn. I lived in Birmingham until about a year ago. And Roy Wood Jr. is from Birmingham. So we had this special conversation while they were laying white folks down by the riverside. Roy, Panama, and I had a conversation, coincidentally, about what it takes to make it out of Alabama. Um, do you necessarily need to make it out of Alabama and what that entails? So I hope you enjoy this special substitute teacher edition of Dear Culture. And I want to get out of your way and let your boy Panama take over. My name is Panama Jackson. I am the host of the Dear Culture podcast, which is a podcast for and by us here at the Griot Black Podcast Network. To my left is Michael Harriet, who needs no introduction. To my right is Roy Wood Jr., who also needs no introduction, which saves us some time so we can get right into it. Interestingly, I found out today and recently how many connections to the state of Alabama that the Griot seems to have. Like, I did not know Elise had any connections to Alabama until she was up here talking. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. is obviously from Birmingham here. I went to, I went to high school in Madison, Alabama, uh, okay. right up 65. I went to Bob Jones High School, which is the most generic name for a high school of all time. Uh, Michael spent more time in, in Alabama than I spent here. How long did you live here? Uh, total, probably more than 20 years, man. More than 20 years yeah. in Alabama. All right. So. Once I realized we had all these connections, I decided, and since we're here for NABJ here in Birmingham, I was like, you know what, let's do a panel about how to make it out of Alabama. <laughs> and the reason I say that, I don't mean it as a shot, but you notice every time somebody says Alabama, it's always like this negative connotation to it. Like, Ooh. people really think that we've done something special. Like, oh, you from Alabama? Like, man, did you grow up, did you grow up with, sla with, with slavery in your backyard? Like, my wife is from Ghana, and the first time I brought her to Alabama a couple years ago. She was deathly afraid of coming down here. She was like, I don't want no parts of the South. I don't want, like, we were like an hour from, I live in D.C., we're like an hour from D.C. in Virginia, and we stopped at a rest stop, and she was afraid, like an hour outside of our home, by the way. 
She was afraid that we was going to get strung up, uh, uh, left in a tree or something. I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, it's fine. We're, we're just going, we're in America. Yeah, but to be fair, though, like an hour outside of where we are now, you, that could probably still happen, right? Like, yeah. it ain't... It ain't crazy to think well, that. <laughs> but the funny thing, but it's funny, like... Very true. Yeah, so, but being from Alabama, uh, and for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to be from Alabama. I literally only went to high school here, but I'm going to own it for the sake of this conversation. Like, I'm always surprised at just the negative kind of... When, when people say you're from Mississippi, like, there's this kind of struggle that we... When ki- when people tell me they're from Mississippi and they do art, I expect that to be some amazing art. Jasmine Ward, KSA Layman, I don't know. Some about Mississippi just makes me believe that if you, if you do art, it's going to be amazing. But when you say Alabama, people don't give it that same, they don't yeah. give us that same love. I, I don't would, know what, what's about that. So, I, would, I would even argue that, that you could replace Alabama with the South. And it's similar. I mean, granted, there's other pockets in the South that are a little bit more progressive and more opportunities depending on your field. But... I know that Alabama, especially Birmingham and Huntsville, I can't speak for Montgomery, I really can't speak for Mobile, but Alabama, like Birmingham and Huntsville suffer at the reputation of the rest of the state. The biggest stuff that comes out of the state is the stuff that people laugh at or the stuff that people criticize us for. So if it's not a redistricting Supreme Court redrawing the district story, then y'all own us about Carly Russell and y'all getting like, it's like, that's the stuff that will drive me. Man, what y'all doing down there? And it's like, we are also, hey, 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 also this. So I think that people forget that. And I think that only people in, in Alabama and from Alabama truly care about Alabama. So it really is a situation where, where at least I know where I'm from, it's other people that are from here that have helped me the most it's like it's not because somebody out of town cared about me from Birmingham it's when I met someone that used to, that was from here as well yes. that looked out and pulled up and I know you don't want me to shout him out but one of my OGs is in the room right now brother Mike Hill who has been up and down the TV dial doing innumerable sports journalism work he's from a suburb of Birmingham I have to say Bessemer I can't say he from Birmingham but excuse, Belma he from Belma um, pronounce the S's at all, huh? When I, yeah, we, we, we ain't got time for the whole word in Alabama. <laughs> all them consonants. But when I was in L.A. and I met Mike Hill and found out where he was from, then boom, immediately it's two people from the same spot trying to help one another because they know that you've had to fight to get out of that place. And I just think that a lot of the news that comes out of this state eclipses a lot of the opportunity and change that happens within the state. And I think that's part of why people, like, sleep on it. You, you know, I got a, I have a theory why Alabama has that reputation, though. It's because the black people here will fight, right? Like, the things we hear about Alabama, the scary stuff we hear, is because, like, they wouldn't back down from the white people, right? Like, you think about, like, the children's crusade. Like, the folks here was like, nah, we're not going to stand for Not only are we not going to stand for we will send our children out there on the front lines, right? Um, and one of the interesting things, so I, moved, I went to college in Auburn, um, and I left, I left home to go to college when I was 16. Went to school there, then moved back here in 08 and lived here until 2022. So, like, most of my life was spent in this state. But the one thing I realized about people in Alabama, like, having lived all, a bunch of different places, like, first of all, people here know more about our history than, like, almost any place I've ever been, right? Like, we all, most people know a little bit about Martin Luther King and all of that stuff, but 
like regular people here in Birmingham, like their grandmamas was out there with Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King. And um, <laughs> so I think, the King, like say right. the one thing I say, you know, we're in the fifth, fifth blackest city in the country. And so I think part of the reason that Alabama has the bad reputation is because black people here would say like, y'all ain't gonna beat us, we're gonna keep fighting. And so a lot of the stuff that you hear about this state it's because we they're still fighting. You wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, they filed the suit against the gerrymandering in the, the state, right? The the you know, the Dobbs case the, that struck down abortion, right? It was a woman in Huntsville that brought that that a, a, a medical provider, a black woman in Huntsville that was targeted in by the Supreme Court decision that struck down abortion. So it's because the people here will fight that the state has that reputation. Now, let me ask you a question. You jokingly said something about Alabama public schools in the, uh, the black <laughs> question. I also went to Alabama public schools. It wasn't uh, bad, it wasn't bad. It was, it was fine, it was fine. Do you feel a need to defend the state of Alabama sometimes when people talk about it? Because I, I can't lie, even though yeah. my allegiance, like where I'm from is very up in the air. I'm a military brat, so, but I, I'm a, again, I'm owning it for, I feel this need to defend Alabama anytime somebody has something negative to say. I jump in, I'm like, wait a minute, we're not going to do that, because you tell somebody you went to public school in Alabama, <laughs> they just assume, like, how you, I'm an affirmative action case. How I got to college, like, man, they must have just, like, slid you in there just to be on the safe side, because there's no way you were smart enough to do this on your own, and I'm not, yeah. I'm only slightly joking about that, like, I'm only slightly joking about that, but like, and you, you defend Alabama all the time. You ain't even from here. Like, ask this man about the Magic City Classic and whether, whether it's the biggest black football classic. You know, like, Michael Harris is going to be his, like the biggest yeah. champion for that. They so know. They don't know. They don't, it's all right. They yeah, don't. Yeah. They don't. So, like, yeah. do, you feel, do you feel the need to defend it whenever somebody yeah, says something like, negative? Yeah, like, a little slick thing I started doing later in my career is that I stopped claiming Birmingham and I claimed Alabama. Like, people know they know I'm from Birmingham, but I will say I'm from Alabama in an effort to try and skew the perception of the whole state. I can't put the whole state on my back, but it's important that people know, you know, that pride means something because everything that you think and perceive from, well, you don't sound like you're from Alabama. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then yeah, also the you need to give me with a little brown liquor, it'll come out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I have to defend it because if I don't, who will? If I don't defend the South, ain't nobody else gonna defend it. Y'all gonna crack the jokes immediately. But it's they all like, moving back down here. Everybody keeps moving down. Why? Yeah. Is it like the fact that Huntsville, Alabama is now like the, and they say this anyway, out of is like the largest city in the state. It's surprising because I, when I was there, there wasn't nothing there. Yeah, I think the projection. I cried when we pulled up in Huntsville. Like, this is where I have to live. Like, I was very sad about that. I think the projection is in the next ten years, Huntsville will pass Birmingham and metro area. Um, it's already passed. So. That's crazy. And they have the highest job, blah, 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 blah. Like, everything is growing there. I don't know how much Biden flipping Space Force back to Colorado instead of committing to Trump's obligations to build Space Force in Huntsville will change any of that. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a progressive place surrounded by all of these pockets and drawn up in such a ways that you can't just go to the polls and change everything. 
because they've set the system right. up and rigged it in such a way. So most of the people that are quick to criticize the state, you're not from here, you don't understand the dynamics of how it works, and you're riding on a couple of stereotypes and a couple of things you've seen in television. So it is very important that I try my best to represent the state in some sort of way that tells a different truth. And, and I, I feel that way about the South. One of the things about, you know, Alabama public schools is, like, I can't criticize them because I'm originally from South Carolina, and so we always looking up at Alabama and Mississippi. So uh, that's the, you know, besides Mississippi, like, that's the only state I could, we could look down on in South Carolina. But the thing is, like, people have these perceptions about the South, and the truth is, with Alabama and the South in general is, like, what they're really talking about is the place that white people live. Right, because the places like Birmingham is in Huntsville are the the places where black people are in control. They are the progressive areas, and then the rest of it where the black people ain't. That's the backwoods part that you don't want to be in, right? So if you find out where the black people are, you straight, <laughs> right? And the only difference is between that and above the Mason-Dixon line is like y'all really ain't got no black people anywhere. Right, like the places you think are really black above the Mason-Dixon line ain't really that black. Like when, when people talk about like how diverse California is and I say, well, you know, it's only 4% black. And people are like, what? Like, this is where the black people are. And this is where, the, this is one of the few places the South is that has black power, right? You, you know, people are always shocked when I tell them, you know, people, black people in Alabama and Mississippi outvote, right? they're voting, uh, participation rate is higher than the white voter participation rate. Like, people in the South vote at higher rates than anywhere else in the country. People are always surprised by that because they have, their perception of the South has been shaped by not black people. So, how did, well, go ahead, keep going. So then, to that point, when we talk about the perception of the South, I think if you're in the South, you can also be I gotta put it like you, you like your your perspective of where you are. You can, if you're not careful, you can mess around and buy into the same ideology you're that like, the oh, outsiders view, me. and then you view the South as something less than. You view the South as a place where, because I understand when you say what you're saying about making it out of Alabama, as if to suggest that it can't happen for you here, or there isn't anything here where you can do it. There is to an extent. You can, you can maximize your potential here and then go somewhere else. But to think that you can't at least get the second or third base here, or at least first or second base here, to me, that's a fallacy. And I think the mistake that we make in the South is that, and it's without knowing, I don't think it's conscious, but you end up around people that don't believe that they can past the horizon. You get around people, you mess around, and you, you get around folks who don't dream, or they scared to dream, or your family's scared to dream. So the moment you mess around and tell them some dream of yours, the first, you gonna do that? You ain't scared of that? It's, a, it's that, I call it roller coaster energy. When you get ready to get on the roller coaster, you gonna ride that? Yes, I'm gonna go up there <laughs> and take a chance. And so, you have to believe in yourself even when you're in an ecosystem where you don't necessarily always have that type of support. That's why wherever you are, you have to find the people that are driven because that'll at least get you to your next waypoint in your journey. It's easy to go to the coast and find folks that's motivated. You find your tribe in a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. But when you're here, it is hard. It is hard to find people that want to hustle as much as you, but I promise you they exist. And I think that's as pivotal 
to getting out of the South or maximizing the resources within the South as it is actually just going to another city. So do, do you think that's because, though, so I think a lot of that is really just people staying where they are, right? Because a lot of us just staying in our hometowns, you condemn to a life where your best friend is the dude you sat beside in third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade, and then that becomes your tribe, right? Because I moved here in Alabama, like, I didn't make it out of Alabama. I made it in Alabama, right? Like, everything, I was, like, the first time I was on The Daily Show, I was Zooming from Alabama, right? Um, so the stuff that I have achieved, most of it has been in this state. But I think, like, when I moved here, I found a cool group of writers and poets and artists to be around, and it wasn't because I was not in Alabama or not in South Carolina or wherever I came from. It was because, like, I got a chance to choose by leaving where I was from the people who I got, got to associate with, right? And it, like, whether it's in Alabama or New York, because you could go to New York and just hang out on the corner at the bodega, and you're still gonna be the same nigga you is in Alabama or Detroit, or like all of that is dependent on you. And I don't even know if that's geographically restricted. Yeah, you know, I jokingly said how to make it out of, out of Alabama for that reason, right? Because <laughs> I've noticed since I live in Washington, D.C., and I live in the city, um, in Southeast. Anybody here from D.C.? Yeah, yeah. So I live in Southeast. Now, who, now how many of y'all live in Maryland now? <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. So, right. Well, you know, you got you to gotta ask. I will say people, people do make that mistake of, of removing the South from a lot of stuff. So I, the, where, I was about to, where I was about to go with that, and jokingly mentioning D.C. out of this, is because as I've gotten older, I've gained much more of an appreciation for here or for my, where my parents live in Huntsville. Like, I actually like going back home now. I like sitting on the porch. It's quiet. It's peaceful. And I started paying attention to things differently. So, oddly, one of the, when my wife came down here for the first time, her mother came down, their first time in Alabama, so, you know, it was a big deal. Um, they wanted to see, like, cotton fields. And now, to be fair, again, my wife is from Ghana, like, actually from Ghana, like, moved here when she was, like, you know, moved here when she was, like, 12. They'd never seen it. They, you know, they read this stuff in books. They'd never seen any of this stuff. And the funny thing is, I couldn't tell them where to find one. I was like, I didn't know. But, 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 but the truth is, they'd literally been around me the whole time. I just never noticed them. I literally never noticed them. We're driving. I went to go visit one of my best friends, his mother. And I'm like, well, damn, it's cotton fields everywhere. I don't know how I never saw these a day in my life. But what it also did was give me a brand new perspective and a way to write about the fact that I lived there all this time. For the first time as an adult, I see cotton fields and how that, like what that felt like. They wanted to go touch this stuff. I'm like, fam, we're past that phase. It is yeah. good. You don't even have to. It's cool. Like, we're good. But so what I have started to do, and since I made two decisions as a writer, uh, one, I don't write about white people anymore because that was just too painful. It was just too much. Like, I felt like that when you write about white people, you got to write about pain and all that other stuff and struggle, and I don't want to do that no more. And then I started writing about celebrating, like, black culture. That's mainly what I do now at this point. So in doing so, that made me start taking a look at Alabama and the, the spaces that made me and raised me and who I became and how that affected the way that I create content, like the articles that I write about, who I, where I've been and where I'm going and all this stuff. So how does being from the South or Alabama and, or being here impact the content that you create and how you interact with, with, well, not the world, that's too big of a question, but 
How does it impact the content you create? I'll, I'll let Mike go first because Mike, you handle, Mike, Michael handles way more dangerous stuff than we do at the Daily Show. <laughs> well, like well, you, was looking forward to? you came immediately for the when they were taking down the um, the Confederate monument downtown and things got a little out of hand that night. You was down there YouTube in video, the mix. You're getting arrested, ain't it? Yeah. Like it's a YouTube clip of you getting arrested. I called there. Trevor. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go down there and cover the cleanup." <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. We did a story about a, a black woman um, optometrist. Her shop got ruined, and that was the Daily Show version of the George Floyd stuff. Your version. <laughs> same 24, we were both here within the same 24 hours. I want you to talk about what you covered. Yeah. So yeah, so I was arrested in Birmingham covering uh, a protest and the Klan was supposed to be there and I was arrested. But I think part of that is being from the South, right? Like, so I was raised, I was homeschooled until I was 12. And of course, being in the segregated South, I was never really around white people. So I don't have this uh, like subconscious deference to white people. So like when I covered Ferguson or when I went to Baltimore, like I ain't scared of black people. Like I was around black people all my life. So if, you, if something's going on in Ferguson and something's going on in Baltimore, and there's this perception that it's like so much danger when it ain't really nothing but black people being black people, right? Like all black people just want to be free, right? And how we go about that is, is different. But I think that also gives me like what he talks about is like the way people perceive like you take it to white people's faces and in reality, I just talk to black, white people like I talk to black people, but people think that it is aggressive right. because we have this subconscious deference to whiteness. I think that comes from being in the South and being raised in spaces. You know, when I was writing, a, when I was writing my book, I interviewed my mom and I asked her why she homeschooled us. And she said a sentence that I always, I'll never forget. She says, I do not think a black child's humanity can be fully realized in the presence of whiteness. And so when you realize your humanity and you have that protective thing about being around black people and being in black spaces, I think the rest of the world sees it as fearless. Like even Roy, right? Like people will say like he's political and fearless and like he just talks on stage like he talks to people in real life. And I think that is somehow revolutionary because most of us don't get that protective layer where we get to express ourselves and our full selves around people who recognize that thing inside us. I think what I'm burdened with is that for anything that I cover, even in the state of Alabama, there has to be a joke, there has to be a through line. So if it's about black pain, there has to be time removed from it. So I can't cover the night, it's the night you got arrested. What I can do is the day after, call the producers, hey, we're gonna go down, longest black woman optometrist in the state. They tore up a shop, we're gonna do some cleanup. I think we should get a camera or two. And through that, find the humor in the sense of community of just people from all over the state coming to just clean up downtown Birmingham just literally the next day. And to me, uh, I went down, this story never aired, but we went down to Mardi Gras in Mobile, the original Mardi Gras where Mardi Gras started. No disrespect to New Orleans, but y'all got better drinking laws and better nightclubs. And, <laughs> 
That's why your Mardi Gras be popping and no one knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. No one knows about the Huntsville Mardi Gras. So we went down, we did a story with that. There's a white man in the woods in Talladega who is fighting lumber companies that are stripping all of the trees for paper and it's ruining the Alabama forest. Now, the reason why he's protecting the trees is because he believes it's Bigfoot's home. This is real. So that's... I'm kind of... But that's the side of Alabama where if that story is told by someone outside the state, y'all just down there in the woods believing in Bigfoot, Bigfoot. We believe in Bigfoot because dot, 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 environment. Don't and so, the leprechaun guy. Who, who was it, the leprechaun? The leprechaun oh, that's, the that's South Carolina. That was the leprechaun. No, that was Mobile. That was oh, Alabama. Oh, you talking about leprechaun. Who all seen the leprechaun? I'm, I'm the leprechaun leprechaun said, yeah. in South Carolina. The famous leprechaun. From South Carolina. The famous Alabama leprechaun. Nah, we had one of them, too. I can't defend that, brother. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could, though, because I'm just, you know, we, we had to. What, what's I, funny <laughs> is, like, you know, you get kind of jealous of people like Roy, because Roy, like, yeah, he can put all kinds of truth and as long as there's a joke at the end, right, you. you can say and tell America about itself. Like, you know, I've heard some of his jokes and it's like, they don't realize what he's saying. <laughs> like, it is, the, the, the Clarence Thomas joke, still, the, the Clarence Thomas is the NFT, that is one of the most brilliant jokes. <laughs> Thank in, you. Like, I've ever heard. And I think, really, people still don't, like, they still don't get what he was saying in that joke, and it, that's how brilliant it was. This man bought a Supreme Court justice. Do you understand how rich you have to be to buy a Supreme, a black one on top of that? There's only two in stock. And Harlan Crow owns half the inventory. We can all see Clarence Thomas but he belongs to billionaire Harlan Crow. And that's what an NFT is. And we were like, oh, how could he say that on TV? This. You can do that. Like, I could never say that. Like, I, they, I, Janetta wouldn't let me call Clarence Thomas a token. <laughs> Wait, would you? I feel like you probably would. I feel like, I would feel like that would get right through editing. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. I'm Torre. Join us for crazy true stories about stars who I really hung out with, like Snoop, Jay-Z, Prince, Kanye, and the time I got kidnapped by Suge Knight. Don't miss my animated series, Star Stories with Torre, from the Grio Black Podcast Network. And we're back. There's a side of Alabama that I don't think people understand, and I really could even equate this more to the South as a whole, when you look at film and television that used to exist in Wilmington, North Carolina, in the early aughts. Uh, South Carolina, I think at some point, had film incentives, and that went away. Atlanta reigned supreme. Um, Tennessee had them for a minute. Detroit had them for a minute. And all of these, like, liberal cities where states came in and cut stuff down. So... In 2018, I had an opportunity to shoot a Comedy Central sitcom, and I pitched to Comedy Central that I wanted to shoot it in Birmingham. And so we start running the numbers on everything, and it was going to cost about $200,000 more to shoot it in Birmingham. Like, 
which for a network, for a pilot, for a dice roll, that's a ridiculous amount of money. It was going to be 1.4 in Atlanta, 1.6 to shoot here. So I call uh, Mayor Woodfin. Hey, man, what can we do? Tax this, tax that. What can we do? Start talking with the county because it was going to be shot all. It wasn't going to just be shot in Birmingham proper. So you start having to talk to the mayors of the other districts uh, within the other suburbs. What I learned through that process was that most of the money within the suburbs, within the white suburbs in this city, is controlled through Montgomery through the state representatives. State representatives are controlled by corporations. So if you want to get the control of the state reps to get the permits you need to lower the prices, you got to lean on Alabama Powers and the BBVAs and all of these bigger corporations. So you start leaning on them, they start leaning on Montgomery, they start leaning on the local places, and then you get it down to 1.4. We had 90 people on staff for my sitcom pilot, 70 have Birmingham or Alabama driver's licenses. Most of the crew that we hired is from Alabama, but they live in New Orleans or they work in Atlanta. They all sleep in four to a two bedroom apartment because that's where the work is, with what they want to do, when the truth is that the work could have been created here. Ultimately, the sitcom didn't go because of the Viacom merger and because of COVID and then everything just got turned upside down. But we were literally that close to creating a training program within this state that could, that could train crew, which is the ultimate hurdle to building film and television. And the thing that I think that a lot of people don't pay attention to in this state and the opposition that I ran into in Montgomery and talking with officials is that the other issue that Birmingham and Huntsville deal with is that if it ain't good for the state, they gonna shit on it. They're not gonna let it happen. We try black people will benefit again. So, so then what, the way I had to freak it in Montgomery was make it seem like it was good for the state. It's jobs, it's in it, which it is. But I couldn't dare step into that room and go, yeah, this is for Birmingham, because I knew it wasn't going to happen. Mayor Woodfin tried to get the minimum wage raised to $15, and they passed a referendum the next day saying, knock that shit back down to 10 Yeah. It, so, well, let's, let's clarify that. He did get the, the minimum wage was passed, and they passed a law saying you cannot raise your minimum wage. Like it was passed, like it was a law. Wow. <laughs> so there are a lot of people within this state at the state level that are working against a lot of the progressiveness that we know is here, that we know could happen, that we know could bring about change. And the trick is often figuring out a way to trick those people, for lack of a better phrase, into seeing how the poor whites can benefit from mm. this too. And that's a true statement. Like, hey, we got to put this film and crew training underneath AIDT with welding and HVAC and plumbing and electrical work so that you can justify it to your people and make it seem like it's not something that blah, blah. Because what I know we can't do, we can't vote you out of office because y'all done drew the districts up in such a way. So how do you grow and better something when you still have these overlords in Montgomery policing and pushing against you. And, and I think that's what people outside the state don't understand is also happening. And, and like the trick in that is like they've convinced the poor white people who would benefit to be against you, like just cause you black, right? Like that is the hurdle too, right? Like, cause the stuff, like the minimum wage being raised like that would help 
everybody, right? Bro, so when we were, when we were getting the sitcom together, like, and I spent a year coming to Birmingham researching and understanding the ecosystem to figure out how can we, where could we cut corners and save $200,000? One way was to do the training for the crew at the campus of Lawson State Community College. Lawson State Community College in Birmingham is a predominantly black college. It's on the black side of town. It benefits black folks. I find out that you can't do anything to benefit Lawson if you don't do something to benefit. Which one is it? Is it Shelby State? Yeah. Jeff, yeah. So if you do something for Lawson, you got to do something over here for this school, too. And if you're doing things for two community colleges, you got to figure out a way to do something for all the community colleges in the state. Hmm. So you can't even have the little classes over here because they're not getting those students over here. They, most students going to go over there to the black school, and we not, and our numbers, our enrollment, that's what they, that was the word they used, was enrollment to justify the bullshit. So it, it's... It's tricky. It's yeah. very tricky in figuring out ways to create a progressive ecosystem for yourself when you're in a state that does not want to see you advance. Right. And, and that is the, but I think that in the South, like getting back to the original, in the South, that ecosystem is really bifurcated, but it exists everywhere. Like it's not unique to the South. Like you, it's just, yeah. in, it's, more it's the pronounced. contrast is more stark in the south but the same thing they, they do the same thing in missouri and new york and like because our outside of the city of new york like once you get past westchester you in alabama right <laughs> like, right so yeah. is that right but I, I think i think the difference between alabama and georgia in that sense is that white georgia politicians are cool enough with black people advancing because they're getting a piece of the pie. Whereas here, they would rather not get richer if it means that you get to advance. And, and the other thing about Georgia is that, like the difference is, like the black population in, in Alabama is like there's a black belt, but the black population is really in uh, the cities, Huntsville, Birmingham, Mobile, Montgomery, right? In Georgia, like I live in rural Georgia. I, you know, a story that is relevant for this podcast is I moved here and I, I just wanted, I was going, to, I was planning to move to New York in right, bef right before the, uh, the pandemic. And during the pandemic, I realized, oh no, I ain't never leaving the South. But I did want, you know, some land. I'm, I realized I was a country dude. And so I bought like, for, for, it was a plantation yeah, tell the story. in rural Georgia. And like, it's literally the plantation that is the reason Georgia is called the Peach State, but it's in an 80% black town that's surrounded by 80% black towns. That so Georgia's rural population, they, there's a lot of black rural population, so they can't really designate something as urban or rural or like you know you can't really bifurcate politics like you do in Alabama, like you do in Mississippi, you know, Mississippi's population is very, very, you know, urban-centered, right? And so I think that's the thing, like in Alabama, again, yeah. I mean, that was not a joke. If you, there are places, uh, our outside of here, like you might go and 
Like, I've been places and stopped on the way to Atlanta and be like, oh, no, nah, I should get back into my car right now. Oh, bro, we used to joke about <laughs> Coleman. You go to yeah. Coleman, Alabama. It's like our, fam our famous, uh, uh, didn't Oprah come down there one time and call it one of the most racist cities in America or something like that? Maybe that's an urban legend. Yeah, it is. It is oh, a sundown no. But we don't stop through. We yeah. I would never stop in yeah. Coleman, Alabama for nothing. Yeah, it's a famous, that's where uh, Trump's last uh, rally in Alabama was in Coleman. Also, it is a still. It is a well-known sundown. Channing town. Tatum is also from there. I don't mean to say that in any for for any, but I just wanted to point out that oddly, Channing Tatum happens to be from Coleman, Alabama. And he don't mention that shit at all. He do, right. He does not. I didn't know he was from Alabama. Actually, <laughs> I randomly saw that. I was like, he's from Coleman. How? Yeah, but that's a great point, Michael. That and that's I think that's also part of why Georgia is always able to kind of be on the cusp of being a purple state. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Alabama to flip for that one time for Doug Jones when Roy Moore had a sex scandal and you also had to drive black people two hours to the polls because it was close. Like it took all of that to flip Alabama one time. Whereas Georgia does have more of a a bigger voting base across in the rural areas that's black. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, as we kind of wind down this first part of the panel, we've been talking about, just, see, like I said, it was more deep in education. I'm over here learning <laughs> stuff, and, you know, it's just, there's not as many jokes as you might think. But that's good, because we're actually learning something about Alabama, because I don't think there's a ton of panels about Alabama that I've never been to one before, and I think it's great to have that. But I want to end this on more of a positive note. So what's, what's something you think people need to know about Alabama in a good way? Like if you if you if you had to I don't know not sell the state to somebody but sell like what's a what's a fun outside of the leprechaun and Carly and you know the shenanigans but like even even with the Carly thing though I said on Twitter that, like last week like all right whether the girl was lying or not the whole damn city stopped and walked through the forest for somebody yeah that that's happen. what Birmingham is like Birmingham is a lot of different things but we are also still a big small town, you know, ain't no dirt roads here. So y'all take pictures and spread the word. <laughs> I know the Uber driver take 20 minutes. <laughs> well, actually, we on. working on that. That's a good question. Hold on. How many of y'all have never been to Alabama before in this? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You pull out that Uber app, he'd be like, he is 20 minutes away. He'd be like, what? <laughs> he'd pull up with two other people in the car. That's so true. <laughs> That is true. So it's big, but it's country, but it's love. It's still love. So, you know, that's what I would say that Birmingham is and Alabama as a whole is definitely still a loving and caring place for people. Yeah, like the thing, again, how much people know about their history, um, a fun fact about uh, Alabama is like, so Alabama has the highest percentage of people that black people with college degrees that were educated at HBCU. So more than likely, if you find somebody with a high school degree, a high school diploma, they went to an all-black high school. More than likely, if you find somebody with a college degree, they went to an HBCU at Alabama, a higher percentage than any other place. The other thing about Alabama that, first of all, like I have lived all over the South, so I can differentiate um, Accents, southern accents, like all southern accents are the same. So the thing I love about Alabama is they don't bother with consonants, <laughs> right? Uh, like, like you know, Belma. you don't have to take all of your consonant, bring all of your consonants with you, and <laughs> and, and the, the 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 best thing about Alabama, though, to me is that like they all feel like 
they are connected. Everybody's heard that joke about like the the black man nod when you're in a space. But in Alabama, like it is almost like I mean, I went to school in Alabama, in Auburn, which was right outside of Tuskegee, and it was like everybody knew each other at both schools. And no matter where you go in the state, like even when you're in the whitest spaces, you see that see the black person, and they feel like oh. We together, we in here together. And I love that about Alabama and the South, but Alabama in particular. All right, well, if we could put our hands together for Roy Wood Jr. here. <laughs> sharing a little bit about his Alabama story. We appreciate you being here, sharing Thank some time you, with us at the Grill, my brother, on a, brother. on a serious panel about the state of Alabama. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And all these man. people who've never been here before have an opportunity to learn something new about a state they have yeah, in uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled that people, you know, came because I know NABJ, I've seen the previous cities, you know, it's Vegas and Miami and there's a lot of partying and stuff going on. So I'm really thankful that the conference was here and I'm thankful that people came. And thank you to everybody for listening to Dear Culture, which is an original podcast of the Real Black Podcast Network. It is produced by Sasha Armstrong, edited by Jeff Trudeau, and Regina Griffin is our director of podcasts. Uh, Again, my name is Panama Jackson. Thank you for listening. Have a black one.